Welcome to On Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people. So in this podcast, we talked to Kaylee Reese, real all-star in the world of female Muay Thai. She had 60 fights, a line fight belt championship, did a lot for the sport, and is still doing a lot at Riddler's gym over in Perth. So we talk a little bit about her time promoting, fighting out here in Thailand, and how the Muay Thai scene in Australia grew, especially for women. So it was a great interview and I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, the interview with Kaylee Reese. So great to have you on the show today, Kaylee. How are you doing? Yeah, you've always been competitive, so it'll be exciting to see what you do with uh, your new knee. Uh, but yeah. let's uh, launch into a little bit of your career and sort of what was happening with Australian Muay Thai at the time. So you began as sort of an exercise uh, program where that's what you wanted to do. And then what happened? You saw Riddler's fight. How did things start off for you? And so when, in terms of dates, that was in the early 2000s? Uh, so that would have been about like 2005, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's about 2005, 2006. Mm-hmm. I feel like yesterday sometimes, I'm going to say 2005, I'm like, holy crap, that's like a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and so what was the Australian Muay Thai scene like? You said you saw a few women fight. Were there... A lot of women fighting at the time, or was it still early goings? Um, it was still really early goings at that time. 
Um, the girl, the girl that I actually saw fight, her name was Tiana Cavalier, and she's actually a Perth girl as well. Um, and she went on to have some really big fights and was really successful in her career too. Um, so she was fighting a girl from New Zealand, and at that time there were female fighters around, but there weren't very many. Um, so you'd get like a fight show, and there'd be like one or two female fights on the fight show. Whereas now, if you compare it to now. You know, you can get half a card that's female fighters and half a card that's male fighters, or you can get a female that headlines the fight show. Whereas back then, that was almost unheard of, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, seeing her fight and obviously me then starting to do Muay Thai, it really did progress quite quickly from the time that I started. Um, within sort of two or three years, maybe four years, the Muay Thai scene for females really developed quickly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think maybe a lot of a lot of the people that were fighting in that particular time, like the males that were fighting, were coming towards the end of their career and starting their own gym. You had like people like Dar- Darren Reese, Darren Spurvik, Blair Smith, um, people like that were sort of towards the end of their careers and starting gyms, and obviously then starting to gain students and more females started to get involved in the sport. So I, I kind of think that's how it all got kicked off a little bit. <laughs> And what was your early career like? My early career, it was a little bit hard to start with because I did have quite a lot of um, quite a lot of background in the kickboxing already. Like I trained for five or six years, whereas a lot of people, when they have their first fight, they, they train for like a year or 18 months and then they jump in the ring. But I had that background of already having like five to six years of training already. So it was a little bit harder for me at the start to get matches. For instance, on my third fight, I had to fight a Thai girl with 70 fights. So they mm-hmm. had to bring someone from Thailand. Um, Daz, Daz told me that the girl that only had 17 fights. So I was like, okay, that's cool. And then I found out after she had 70 fights. You know, um, at, at the start, um, yeah, it, it was a little bit difficult. But then sort of when I got to, you know, eight or nine fights, and there was more girls to fight. And obviously, they'd been fighting too. And, um, we sort of all just meshed in and fought each other. Back then it was like everyone just fought everyone. It didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I fought girls, I fought, I fought a particular girl four times within six months. But we just didn't care, you know. We just fought whoever was there because um, we all just wanted to fight. And what was that like fighting that one girl multiple times? It, it, was, it was quite hard actually because it was, we were so similar in our styles and there was really nothing between us on, on the best of days, you know, it could have gone to either of us on either night, so um, towards towards the end, like the third and fourth fight, it got a little bit more difficult because we both were so aware of our own skills and their skills as well, so it was like a little bit, not tentative, but it was like, I know what you're going to throw, <laughs> and she knew, she, she knew what I was going to throw, so it was like, okay, we're waiting for this thing to be thrown, so it got a little bit harder towards the end, but we still took it because that's if we got matched we just said yes straight away like it was just we didn't care about money we didn't care about what it was it was it was just we're fighting this person at that way it was like yeah cool done mm-hmm. yeah that's that makes sense and usually how it happens with uh, you know pioneers in the sport so what was it like when the Thai woman flew over what was the situation so basically with that? I was obviously wanting to fight and um, there was no one around to fight at that stage. There was the girl that I was talking to about, um, Darren, but she was too experienced. And there was a couple of girls that had had a bit too much experience. 
like sort of edging towards the sort of 15 fight mark. And um, so Darren had organised with Stefan Fox, who was the WFC like coordinator, general secretary at the time, to fly to fly a tie over. And yeah, they told me that she only had 17 fights, but um, you know I didn't care because I knew that I was going to get a good fight and. Um, I was more than happy to take the fight, but afterwards I, you know, found out that she had seventy. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that kind of thing, I guess, doesn't really matter so much because when you look at it, when you look at the ties, they can have seventy fights, but they can really fight to the experience of someone that's only going to like maybe five or to ten fights mm-hmm. because they've been fighting so regularly. Like they might rack up three fights in one week. Mm-hmm. So they don't get a get a long time to work on their skills and everything like what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess. I guess Darren knew that um, and, and just trusted that as well, and I just trusted him as a trainer. And uh, in your career, you fought about 60 times? Yeah, I fought 60 times, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when did your career start and it went until the uh, about 2015, 2014, correct? Um, yeah, I think I finished in 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's been about six yeah. Five, maybe five years, five years, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I was pretty active through that whole time. Like, I, I was, I guess you would call it, like, I was a bit of an older fighter. I didn't start till I was, you know, kicking off until I was about 25, 26. Um, and to some people, obviously, that sounds young, but mm-hmm. most people are, are well into their career at that point. So I sort of knew that if I wanted to have kids and, and everything like that down the track, and, but I wanted to have a good career, I sort of needed to, you know, get moving and get as much as what I could do that in that time. And I sort of gave myself, you know, like 10 years to get as much done as what I could in that time. And, um, like, I just took whatever was there. I fought whoever. Um, I did have, like, a particular list of people that I knew I needed to fight to get to the next particular level. Like, I sort of started at the state title level and then I knew that I needed to fight particular girls to get to the Australian title level. And then for the international level, I needed to fight, you know, these people from these countries to get me there. And, um, so I did have a big plan um, in place, but at the same time, I just took each fight as they came as well. And I never said no. Like, every time Dad said, you're fighting this person, I never ever said no. I never turned down a fight. Mm-hmm. And you also were involved in IFMA for a year or two, correct? Yeah, I fought in um, a couple of IFMA tournaments, yeah. What was that experience like and when did that I happen? I three IFMA tournaments. Um, the first one I tore my calf in, like the second round. Um, so I had to actually withdraw from going mm-hmm. through to the next level. Mm-hmm. So that would have been the final. Um, the second time I... No, sorry, that was the first time. The second time was um, in a Super 8 in China, which was for the Sport Accord Games, which was a really, really good experience. Um, so we had to do a like a eliminator here for Oceania to find the best fighter in Oceania. So every sort of area of the world did an eliminator. They found the best fighter for that region, and then we all fought together in front of the uh, Olympic Committee in, in China, and that was a Super 8. So I had three fights in... I think it was six days. My first fight was against Belarus, and she had about 60 fights. Mm. I was maybe on my 26 fights at that point. Um, that advanced me through to the semi-final. I fought uh, Morocco, and then I beat her, and then I 
fought with um, Valentina Shevchenko in the final for gold, mm. and she obviously made gold. Mm-hmm. But just you know, having that experience and, and fighting so close together, and having to make weight every day, and, and just fighting against girls that level when I was still relatively quite new, mm-hmm. um, was an amazing experience. Yeah, I assume Valentina had like about ninety or more fights, and you were on twenty something, like okay, you said. So, um, after the fight, I, I, I knew who Valentina was, but I didn't know too much of her. I just knew that she was like the Eastman champion for, you know, like since she was like a, a kid, you know. I knew that she was really good, but I didn't really know too much about her fighting style. Um, and I spoke to her and her coach afterwards, and um, we're actually still really good friends now. And she said that she had about 500 fights. Oh. So that was my 30th fight. I remember distinctly thinking, oh my God, I'm only 30 fights. And she's got 500 something fights. Because she's fought every sort of discipline. She's fought boxing and, and Muay Thai, MMA, mm-hmm. all those kind of different styles. So she's just racked up so many fights over the years. Mm-hmm. And, she's, and she's still going. Yeah, she's still very, very active. And when when was that Sports Accord Super 8? 2010 or mm. 2011 or something. Basically, you're you know, still a little early in your career, about halfway, though. Yeah, I was about halfway through my career at that point. And what was going on in Australia at the time? Like, how do you think you developed uh, through fighting all so regularly? There became a time in Australia with a bunch of girls and, um, you know, I just read lots of few names. There was like Nicole Rowland, there was Heather O'Donnell, Sarah O'Connell, Tiana Cavalier, um, and we just all fought each other. We didn't care um, if it was a rematch. Um, some of them were on Super Fours. Uh, we got to fight each other a couple of times on those. And we just all racked up fights really quickly within, you know, the space of maybe two or three years. One, one year I was... I was 14 fights in one year. I racked up 14 fights in mm. one year, just having a couple of Super Fours, having the Super 8 in China, and just really um, utilising my time as well. Um, so in between those fights, I'd shoot off to Thailand because it's only, you know, like it was only one way trip back then. Mm-hmm. Six hours on a flight, you know, I'd go, I'd go to my camp in Thailand and they'd organise me a fight in between shows here in Australia, and i just keep as active as what I could. Yeah, so let's uh, talk a little bit about your time in Thailand and what that was like. Uh, you went to Sinbi in Phuket, yeah, correct? Yeah, I went to Sinbi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, that, they were really good there. They were, at the time, they were known for having a lot of female fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, they trained, and there was Teresa Wintermeyer from mm-hmm. Sweden. Mm-hmm. Madeline Dow used to go there a lot. Um, so they're really well known for, you know, having a lot of female fighters go to their gym, stay there, and then fight for their gym. So, um, I don't know, I lost count the amount of times I've been, been to Sydney, but I probably would have been maybe 20 times mm. in my whole trip. I probably had about 15, 15 16 fights in Thailand. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they were really good. They always looked after me, and I always knew that when I went to Thailand, um, they would train me well, they'd look after me, um, they sponsored me, so I didn't have to worry about training, um, paying for my training or anything. And then they always got me a fight at the end of the and the stint that I did there, so, you know, that really helped my career as well because it kept me busy between the fights in Australia. It's really tough for us because we're not near other countries. 
you know, all the European countries, they're all so close to each other, so they all get to fight each other regularly and they have lots of tournaments. Whereas in Australia, even our country itself is so big, to fly to the other side of the country, it still takes like four to five hours. Mm-hmm. So we, we're sort of stuck like that because we, we get a little bit left behind in terms of once we've all fought each other, then what do we do? We go back and support to Thailand, but we sort of get a bit stuck because we don't have these surrounding countries that help us keep busy you know yeah that makes sense and so uh in terms of thailand um you said a lot of women were there what was the atmosphere at sinbi like what was the sort of training like um the training was obviously just like typical thai style training uh in the morning sort of small you know, interval sessions and then in the afternoon you know or pads, a bit of bag work. It wasn't generally any sparring or anything like that. There's a bit of clinching in the mornings, and then obviously during the daytime, just rest or go to the beach, do all those cool things that you can do in Thailand, like get massages and stuff like that. Um, and then at nighttime, that was the solid session. So, um, you know, you skip basically just every, every time you was pretty much the same. You skip, do shadow, five rounds on the pads, five rounds on the bag, sparring and then flinching. So I used to flinch for about half an hour or something like that with, mm. with whoever's there, including the Thai boys. I always used to love them. <laughs> jumping in on the ties because you know, even though they used to throw you around, that's that's how you got better and, and that's what I was there for. In terms of like um, training, the amount of training, if I felt myself, because I was, I was a little bit older than a lot of the other girls, if I felt myself getting tired, a lot of the times, you know, ties they keep pushing you and pushing you, but I... I was quite, I was quite honest with them, and I understand my body, and I know what my body needs. And if I, if I need to rest, I'm going to be better the next day, rather than, you know, don't, don't make me run twice a day because I, I don't need to run twice a day. I do feel like there was a little bit of overtraining there. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people will agree now that they do overtrain a little bit, especially with all the new, um, I guess, scientific methods that people have for training and everything now. And, that's why I only went there for short stints at a time because if I went there for a long period of time, I'd probably <laughs> burn myself out. As always, if you'd like to follow me, you can do so on Instagram, Matt Lucas Muay Thai. I always respond to messages there. I also have the website, matt-lucas.com, or email me at a.mattlucas at gmail.com. Thanks to all the people that have supported me so far, sharing the podcast, leaving reviews. If you'd like to leave a review, that would be super helpful. You can do so on the iTunes stores. After years of hard work, studying, and being in the game, I publish On Fighting in Thailand, a guide to the sport in the motherland. is a Muay Thai encyclopedia. It goes over scoring, matchmaking, picking gym, fight styles, gambling, Muay Thai culture, and more. It contains a series of interviews with long-term expat fighters, including Michael Savas, Willie Whipple, Lisa Brealey, Angela Chang, and others. It is a great guide, educates and helps guide careers by helping save fighters from costly mistakes. It is a definitive guide and is available on Amazon as an ebook and in print. So go check it out. I'm fighting in Thailand, a guide to the sport in the motherlands. Yeah, most of your trips were about two to three weeks, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I probably, like, majority of the time, of the time so I'd probably be there for between 10 and 14 days.
days. Mm. So I'd go and get relatively fit, um, not peaking fit because I knew once I got there that they'd rank it up, but I'd go there relatively fit um, and then do, I'd do two sessions and then two sessions and then one session and then have a day off and mm. then two sessions, one session, have a day off. So I was like still quite smart with my training over there rather than just letting myself become like really overtrained and, and tired by training twice a day every day. Mm-hmm. And where did you fight? You fought in Phuket at Bangla or were you moving around the country as well? Um, so I had a lot of my fights um, uh, at, at Bangla and I used to bring people in from um, different areas like from Bangkok and some of the islands and stuff like that that were bringing a good time. And I always had a good time to fight too. Like I never went, I never went to Thailand and ended up with an opponent that didn't give me a hard fight. And I always knew that when I went to Sydney too, I, I knew that they they knew that I wanted to fight fights, but I didn't want to just come and, you know, fight one round. I wanted to come and get a good five-round fight in. Um, so I fought a couple of girls from different areas that way, and then I also fought a couple of times on the King's birthday and the Queen's birthday as well, mm-hmm. which was a really good experience. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. Who did you fight on the King's and Queen's birthday, what was that experience the, like? The Queen's birthday was um, the promotional, like elite fight for my Christian from the Queen's birthday in Bangkok. That so was just a big, mm-hmm. um, you know what it's like in Bangkok, they set up like the big ring and everything in an area. And it's very open and it's just got that that red tie feel to it. You look out to the crowd and you see heaps and heaps of people and heaps of ties standing around. And, um, but that was an amazing experience. I fought a girl who was, I think she might have been undefeated in 60 fights. Mm. Um, so I was a little bit nervous going into that fight, obviously, because I knew she was from a really good gym. I can't remember the girl's name. Jockey. She was from a really good gym, and I was a little bit nervous going into that fight. But, um, yeah, I just had a really good fight. Obviously, trusted myself and, and my ability and kind of grabbed to win. Mm-hmm. And were there a lot of uh, other females fighting uh, in the Muay Thai world, like at that time, both like in Bangkok? Were you aware of a lot of other foreigners besides, you said, Teresa and uh, Natalie that were sort of fighting regularly? There, there were, yeah, there were quite a few foreigners at that point. There were, yeah. I think Sylvie Von Douglas, she had just sort of just started her time in Thailand at about that time, I think. So, um, Always was busy, you know, like you go to Thailand, there's a lot of Russian countries and, and stuff like that there, so it was always busy and there was never a shortage of, of um, people to train with and stuff like that when you went there. So it's not like it, what it would be like right now. And then because you were making these trips back and forth, do you feel like you impacted Australian Muay Thai and sort of uh, life back in Perth by going over fighting and then bringing, you know, your knowledge back? Yeah, definitely. Obviously, um, it was one of those things that, I guess, inspired people to do a similar thing. Um, it is a little bit easy for us in Western Australia, where, where I live, um, of, with it being only like a six-hour flight. If you live in Melbourne or Queensland or one of those um, states on the other side of the country, it does take a little bit longer, so it's about nine or ten hours, I think. So um, it definitely did, it definitely did um, inspire people to sort of take off for a quick trip and get a fight in between shows here, that's for sure, yeah. But I mean, that kind of stuff hasn't been able to happen in the last 
deal. So a lot of fighters in Australia, they just haven't been able to get fights. The, the more experienced girls, you know, they're missing out on fights because because they can't travel back to Thailand to get that training or, or get in a fight in. And then how often were fights happening for you in Australia? Uh, Darren and I, we promoted, um, we promoted shows, which pretty much guaranteed me fights on every show. So we did three or four fights, uh, three or four fight shows a year. Mm. So that would guarantee three or four fights definitely in Perth. Mm-hmm. Um, I may have sometimes got one here and there in another state, but towards the end of my career, I was getting like none in other states. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in between those three and four fights in Perth, then I would go to Thailand in between mm-hmm. those fights. I was probably getting about seven fights a year, mm-hmm. maybe eight. Yeah. Yes. I was really trying to keep as busy as what I can because, as I said to you before, I knew that I didn't have a lot of time mm-hmm. um, and I really wanted to try and make the most out of what I had. And then later in your career, you signed with uh, Lion Fight for a couple bouts. Uh, what was that experience like? Um, obviously, everyone wants to sort of get to that international level and fight in America and all that kind of stuff. And, and when they um, contacted me about fighting Tiffany, I had I'd actually heard an interview from her and she sort of called me out and I thought, oh, God, this is probably going to happen soon. And um, within like literally within a week of hearing that, they had contacted me and asked me if I wanted to fight Tiffany and obviously I said yes straight away. Um, and, you know, just the whole experience of travelling to America being so far away and an Australian actually having um, the opportunity to actually compete in a place like that was, was unbelievable because it just doesn't really happen that often for Australian. It, it did it back then, now it is, but it did back then. So, um, obviously, I was really grateful for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And you actually fought injured, correct? What happened? Yeah, it was, it was probably the worst lead up to a fight I've ever had. Um, I don't know whether you know, but I've had neck surgery. Mm. Because of so much clinching over the years and so much hard clinching with a lot of um, of the men and the, and the guys in the gym and, and in Thailand and stuff like that, I developed some spurs on my neck oh. and they started to tap the nerve out of my neck and mm. they were traveling down my arm and there was pain, constant pain and burning down my arm and down my chest and I'd lose sort of like feeling in my arm. Sometimes I'd just lose complete control of my arm or it would just drop down like down by the side of my body and I, I wouldn't be able to pick it up until I'd release something in my neck. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I trained with that in two for a couple of years but it was it was really bad when I was training for her mm-hmm. but I really didn't want to pull out. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I think we left to go to America on the Monday and even like on the Mm-hmm. Um, 
but then I sort of managed to off from that considerable pain in two, but uh, yeah, that, the lead up for that fight was, was the worst lead up for a fight I've ever had. Yeah. I, I managed to do it. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I just, it really, when I think back to it, I actually think how much, I guess, mental toughness goes into something like that because it was just, it was just an awful experience. Like, I just didn't enjoy it at all. And you went on to win the fight. What was the fight itself like? Um, the fight was good. It was, it was close. Obviously, it was a split decision. Um, split decision on the fight, fight card, on the scorecard, and everything like that. Um, and I think we just had a lot of respect for each other. Like I knew that she was a really young, hungry, very skillful, very powerful fighter, and she knew that I was sort of the same, but on the end of uh, towards the end of my career. So I was, I was sort of the victor coming up, I wanted to protect what I had and she wanted to prove what she was going in with. So um, we both had a lot of respect for each other and um, and we still do, we still talk very regularly and, and she's a good friend of mine Tiffany. We've, we've actually become really good friends out of that fight which is, it's beautiful to see in sport when you become such good friends with somebody after a fight as well. Mm-hmm. What was sort of the impact of you winning uh, back home? Like, what did people think when you brought back the, you know, in- international belt back to Australia? When I think back to it, I, I'm glad that I sort of don't fall into the whole pressure thing because looking back, it was just sort of when Facebook and that was just kicking off. Like, it just started to get really popular and everybody posted on Facebook. Everything went onto Facebook. Everyone put everything on Facebook. Everything went through Facebook. You know, Facebook was the thing back then. And I just remember seeing every time I sort of clicked onto Facebook, everything was about Tiffany and I fighting. And I was just thinking, oh, my God, there's just so many people in Australia just waiting for this fight to happen. And because of the time difference, I think it was 11 o'clock here or something on the Saturday, and I fought here on the Friday night. And I could just remember um, after the fight uh, getting onto Facebook and, you know, the whole of Australia was behind me. Just there was messages and Facebook status updates and pictures, and it was just like unbelievable to see. Like a whole country was behind me. And then uh, when you came back to Australia, you fought a few more times. Uh, you fought so many, correct? Yeah, I fought so many. It's actually quite me the line fight world title, and then four weeks later, I had to come come back and fight Chomini. Uh, and defend my WFC world title. Mm-hmm. So from fighting Tiffany, I um, went to Aspen for a few days to mm-hmm. enjoy the mountain time. Um, I couldn't really do too much. I did go skiing, but I was really hesitant to sort of let myself go because I knew that I had to come back and defend my world title. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I came back in and I had Chamonese fight, which, which was really different because I had two really different fights mm-hmm. to prepare for within within a small time frame. So I had Tiffany, who's really like uh, bouncy, super exploitive, powerful, she moves around a lot on her feet. And then I had Chomini, who's, you know, very tight style, she stands in ground, she's very skillful, but she doesn't really bounce around and have that sort of kickboxing, um, explosive style. So I had really two different two different fighters to try and um, to train for at sort of the same time, mm-hmm. which was, which was um, it was good, it was difficult. Um, but obviously it was very doable because you know, I was able to come away with a win for both of them. So. Yeah, for sure. And what was the fight itself like uh, with Tomini? Tomini was very, very difficult to fight because she has a very similar style to what I have. So in the first fight, I was 
first round, I lost the first round against Chamonix. I, I went back to the corner and I was like, holy shit, I'm, I'm losing this fight so far. I'm fighting someone who is so similar to myself. I, I don't know what to throw. And then I had to think to myself, I said to Daz, how, how am I going to beat myself? Like, how do I beat myself? Because that's what I have to do when I go back out there. I've got to pretend that she's me and I've got to try and beat myself because everything she threw was things that I would throw. So mm-hmm. I had to sort of almost think ahead to what I would throw to try and counter that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I ended up just going to the clinch and really trying to, I guess, overpower her with my strength in the end. Mm-hmm. And obviously you did. Um, you had a few more bouts after that. What led you to decide to retire, and what was sort of your la- later uh, part of your career um, so like? I had the, the fight with Tiffany and the fight with Chamonix. The, the fight with Chamonix was originally meant to be the sourcing, who I really, really wanted to fight. Mm. Um, obviously, one of the best Thai fighters in the world. Everybody knows sourcing, and we had sort of, um, I think she had a baby within that time, so she had a little bit of time off, and then she came back, and I was like, yes, you know, she's back, and I finally get to write her, and I'll bring her over, and we can fight for the world title, but then she got injured and pulled out, so I fought Chamonix, which was fine, because Chamonix is also just as amazing, so, but I, I do regret, you know, not regret, but I am sort of bummed that I never got to fight Saucy, because to me, she she's probably the best, one of the best Thai fighters in the world, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, she might have considered me to be one of the best Western fighters in the world, and for us to come together would have been, uh, I think, really good in the ring, just to see a Western fighter and, and a Thai fighter at that level, but obviously never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a couple of, had a couple of more fights, I fought Chamonix, and then I fought um, Delara, mm-hmm. and then I just felt like, I felt like, I felt like I wasn't really getting um, the challenges that I wanted to get. And I, I knew that I was heading towards that age where, okay, I'm, I'm probably starting to think about having kids now. Are these fights challenging enough for me to keep going? And mm-hmm. to maybe at that time, the answer, the answer was no. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I was still getting good fights, they just weren't enough, they weren't hard enough for me to go, this is worth giving more time, giving more time up to not have kids or to not worry about having kids at the moment. So um, I guess that was the decision that I made at that time. Mm-hmm. And I just decided to retire on, on the 60th fight. And mm-hmm. you know, it was a nice even number. <laughs> if, I had, if I had won that 60th fight, it would have been 30 straight wins. So it was mm-hmm. all kind of, it was all sort of like lining up for me, you know, 30 straight wins, 60 fights, mm-hmm. 35. I'm kind of, you know, I've had some great fights, mm-hmm. six times world champion. It's, I need to. I need to know when to call it, and I feel like this is, this is the time. So, since you've retired, what's happened with Australian Muay Thai, and how has it Australian changed? Australian Muay Thai for females is, is, is really good. It's really strong um, at the moment. We've got some great, great fighters that have got some great opportunities. You know, we've had things like One and Glory and things like that that um, that have opened up for females, which was never around when when I was fighting. So, we've had some great things open up like that for the girls. Um, obviously, the last year or two has been pretty quiet because of COVID, mm-hmm. um, but it's now starting to ramp up again. You know, there's a Super 4 in Queensland this weekend with four of Australia's top female fighters, um, so that'll be that'll be really good. Um, but yeah, it's 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 there. It's, it's, it's a bit quiet at the moment, but I'm sure once sort of this COVID thing sort of settles down a little bit and the shows can start to kick off again, then um, we'll 
Do you think you'll go, you and Daz will go back to promoting or you think you'll take a break from that? It's definitely a hard one because at the moment it's kind of risky, you know, you Mm -hmm. do a fight show. I've seen it happen to a couple of promoters in Perth at the moment. You do a fight show, you organize the whole fight show and it's just, you know, at the moment I prefer just to hang out for a bit and Mm -hmm. see how things go. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure, I'm sure that, you know, one of us will do a show again in the future, but right now I think we're just, Um, and how many shows did you guys promote and what was that experience uh, like? So we've promoted, I reckon we've promoted maybe about 40 shows. Mm. Um, uh, I would have fallen on maybe 25 of them, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, which was always hard because I did a lot of, obviously, a lot half the work for the show. So I did a lot of like the behind the scenes, organizing all the, like, the liquor licenses and just all that kind of stuff that you don't really see. Mm-hmm. And I still had to And actually, how did you maintain yourself while you were actively fighting? Were you working at the gym? Where did you have some other source of income? Um, so initially, I was like a, I, I managed like a health practice with chiropractors and massage therapists and OTs and everything like that. And then um, I started to do a lot of PTs at the gym and I started to get a lot of PTs and it was just far too much for me to manage doing that job and also doing PTs. And then once Ripple started to grow, then I started to take a, I guess, like a sort of admin role on it and, and started to, to do a lot more hours at the gym. So I, I left my job um, that I'd had for 10 years and started to do, obviously, more, more stuff at the gym, more PTs, more classes and all that kind of stuff. So I sort of just transitioned that way to the gym. And did you start doing more PTs because your career was growing, or how did that yeah, develop? I started to do more PTs because uh, a lot of females obviously looked looked up to me and took a lot of inspiration from my training and stuff like that. So um, obviously contacted me about doing some one-on-one sessions, and, and from there I started to do. You know, I was like doing twenty-five PTs a week or something. Like that. Wow! And this ended up being towards the end, like as I started to. Uh, ramp up my training and, and fight harder at the moment. It just got a little bit too much towards the end, so that I had to sort of, um, you know, taper off, taper off that kind of stuff because I found like I was in the gym just far too much. Mm-hmm. And by the time I got to my own training, I was just like, I just didn't want to be there. So mm-hmm. I had to make that decision to cut my PTs in half and, and focus on my training and, and my fighting and stuff like that. Otherwise, I was just burning myself out. That makes sense. And now, are you still doing PTs, or how has sort of your post-fight career been? Uh, post-fight career is, you know, I still struggle with it some days. I, you know, for being such a, I guess, high-level athlete at, at the top level and, and being there for a long time, to then stopping and having two kids very close together um, in age and also very close to when I finished fighting has been a little bit tough at times. Um, I love 
love trading. Uh, it's like an absolute passion of mine. And I spent so many hours like trading and fighting and just dedicating my whole life to this one thing. And then obviously having the kids and having that thing not there anymore. It's been really difficult at times because I've still got that same mentality with training. Like I was talking to you about CrossFit before. Like I've gone into CrossFit and I did start having that same mentality as what I did with fighting. But I had kids with it and it just wasn't working. It was just too much for me. Mm-hmm. So I really had to um, I really had to find a new balance and, you know, really cut back my training and spend more time with the kids and spend more time doing things, you know, outside of the gym. Mm-hmm. I listened to a really good interview by um, a CrossFit girl this morning, actually. She just busted her knee. And one of the things that stood out to me that she said, and it also, it, like, literally brought a tear to my eye because I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, so me. She said, I'm not just an athlete. I'm actually a person. And this more to me than just like training and mm-hmm. I think that she nailed that on the head for me because I was like that's I guess you identify yourself as as that person that, mm-hmm. and then when it's taken away you're like shit what actually am I who am I what am I supposed mm-hmm. to be doing mm-hmm. so I've, I've kind of really struggled with, with that part of um, post fighting mm-hmm. and I'm still I've, I've got this great balance now where I, I do train like 45 minutes in the day mm-hmm. and I am competing in CrossFit but I feel like Shit, I'm not giving everything I am. I, I'm not giving everything that I can to CrossFit, so I'm not getting the results I want. But mm-hmm. I'm also not willing to. I'm not willing to put more into training, so I've really got. To, I'm really struggling with that at the moment. That's my thing that I'm. I'm having some problems, issues with at the moment. Is I still want to do well, but I'm not willing to put extra hours. Yeah. So I, and you see with lots of different athletes, you know, ex fighters, they mm-hmm. they turn to Yeah, absolutely. Something you mentioned before is uh, sort of the beginnings of Facebook and sort of social media. How do you think uh, social media has impacted, you know, the later parts of your career? And then, you know, how has it developed in the sport as well in Australia? Um, obviously, with social media and things like that, it's, we're pretty lucky. I mean, it's, it has its good points and it has its shit points as well. Um, I guess with having social media, you get fight results straight away. You can log on, you can watch fights anywhere around the world. You know, we've got access to being able to watch one. We've got access to being able to watch more Thai Grand Prix. All that kind of stuff. It's, it's really good like that. And um, it's really good for, for fighters being able to maintain their profile, putting their name out there. And, um, you know, I guess letting people know who they are and, and, and that kind of stuff. I think it's really important that... Um, Try to stay grounded, though. Even though there are these these pros, we need to make sure that the fighters are staying grounded and they're not sort of like, I guess, using Facebook and, and social media for the wrong reason. Absolutely, and sort of winding things down or just getting a general glimpse. I know you said that COVID has sort of put things on a halt 
uh, for Australian Muay Thai. But what has the landscape been like in the last few years, uh, especially for women? Uh, you mentioned earlier that there are a lot more women, women fighting and women headlining shows. But how would you sort of summarize the Australian Muay Thai landscape and where do you think it's going? Hopefully. And then uh, just a final question or two. How do you think your career has impacted the sport, uh, especially Australian Muay Thai? Is that something you've thought about that much? It's so weird when, you, when I read that question because I was like, oh, has my career actually impacted it? <laughs> I think when you're in something, you don't realize what you're doing. Mm-hmm. For sure. I, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to interview you is I remember when you, you know, you started fighting in 2000 or, you know, the early 2000s and you being an international kickboxer and, you know, you've definitely shaped Australian Muay Thai and like definitely women's Muay Thai in the world. So I was like, okay, you know, Kaylee's definitely someone to interview. Yeah, it's funny because um, in the gym we have these big uh, posters uh, of like uh, a couple of different things and two of the posters are the front page of the International Kickboxer and on the front, on the front of the picture and on my face it sort of says um, Australia's Queen or something like that. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's like, 
yeah, I just I sometimes forget what I've done and I have to look at it and go, gosh, I've actually had this amazing career. Sometimes I'll get onto YouTube and like just search for my fights and just watch another fight and then go, wow, that was actually me. Like I, I had a great career and, you know, I thought people all over the world. I didn't back mm. down. And I thought whoever I, whoever I was put in front of me and like, and I, I, I have to sit there sometimes and be proud uh just wrapping things up is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get a chance to talk about no, i think we've covered quite a lot of stuff great um and how can people follow you or you know see what's going on in the world of uh kaylee reese um i'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty slow on social media like i i had facebook for a long time and i, I got rid of facebook mm. be following along and thank you again for taking your time and uh, all that you've done for the sport in Australia. Thank you so much for interviewing me and allowing me to um, obviously pass my, my stories on and hope to inspire someone listening to, to take the next step in their journey. So I think that interview was awesome. There's some really interesting points. Kaylee fighting the same girls multiple times, not being choosy about the fights, just wanting that ring experience. Very, very important. Also, she briefly touched on it, but you know, maybe might be a subject for a future podcast is what happens when fighters stop fighting, you know, that shift in identity. It's definitely something I felt um, and have felt before, you know, what happens when you get injured and you can no longer fight? What happens when you retire and you can no longer fight? As Kaylee pointed out, a lot of people turn to alcoholism or for basketball players, gambling. So there needs to be sort of a way for people to deal with the fact that their fight careers end. But Kaylee's career has not ended. She is still in the sport, obviously shifting away from fighting and being more behind the scenes and helping coach people, which I think is really great. She's been a real inspiration for the sport and for women around the world. So I'm very happy to have interviewed her. And this completes the series on Muay Thai in Australia. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you as always for listening. And once again, if you like this show and if you like the content, would be great if you could share, uh, leave a review on iTunes and really support the show and what I'm doing here. If you'd like to reach me, you can follow me on Instagram at Lucas Thai or email me at a.matt.lucas at gmail.com. As always, this has been On Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people. This show was edited by Effie Ceruti. You can find me on Instagram at effie underscore fc or on Facebook at effie Ceruti.